Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Stories in the Dark. This is season three of our spooky little podcast, and our theme this season is Monsters and Mayhem. I hope you enjoy our stories, because we certainly enjoy you. Welcome back, horror fans. I hope you're ready for another story. We've got a good one for you this time. Also, I wanted to apologize that our episode is a little bit late this week. Not only was it the Thanksgiving holiday, but we had some life things to take care of, so... Unfortunately, we're a little late to the party. I hope you like it anyway. This week's episode is called The Apartment. There was nothing dark and stormy about the night we went to live with our aunt, but it feels like there should have been clouds and thunder and thrashing rain. Instead, it was a perfectly clear summer night, the sun still up as the car pulled up to the gorgeous old brick apartment building where my aunt had lived for as long as I could remember. She was waiting outside, leaning against the wall in her heels and trim dress, her hair set in waves. She had a cigarette held carelessly in one hand, the entire time we drove up and stopped, she only brought the cigarette up to her mouth once, the smoke drifting up through the air above her head, like the clouds that would have matched my mood. My brother, Jason, gripped my hand silently. He has always been a little afraid of Aunt Rita. He said she was cold. His hand was cold and clammy in mine, and he watched in silence as the world passed around us on the way to our new home. Temporary, of course, just till Mom and Dad settled what they needed to settle. The driver unloaded our suitcases while Aunt Rita finished her cigarette. She flicked the end of it into a tall ashtray filled with sand and clicked over to us in her heels shading her eyes from the sun. She placed a hand on our shoulders before tipping the driver and sending him on his way. That was our only greeting. She said nothing to us, just turned and walked up the steps, leaving us to navigate our suitcases by ourselves. We had been to Aunt Rita's before, Mom brought us into the city a few times for lunch, movies, shopping with Aunt Rita. Every time we came, our mother gushed over her apartment and trilled about how much she'd love to live in the city and have a little place of her own. And then every time we drove home, she buttoned up her dreams and talked about how much she loved our sprawling house in the suburbs. The elevator screeched and rattled all the way up to the penthouse. Aunt Rita stood as straight as could be, her back to us. She didn't say a word. Jason reached up and took my hand again. 
He was no stranger to silence, but this was too much, even for him. He squeezed my hand once, and I squeezed back. I wanted to go home, too. Aunt Rita's apartment was old and cold and beautiful. I shivered when we stepped inside. The air smelled empty and stale. I certainly hope you brought sweaters, Aunt Rita said. We had. We knew. She stepped out of her heels in the foyer and picked them up, the red soles shining wetly against the marble and black glass. Jason and I took off our shoes while she waited, and we put them in the glass-lacquered cabinet where the guests' shoes go. I stared at myself in the glass of the vase that sat atop the cabinet, filled with red roses. The glass and the water showed me myself, but the bright red petals laying over my skin looked like blood. I shivered again. Our rooms had extra blankets in them. We set our suitcases inside. Like all the rooms in her apartment, the guest rooms looked professionally decorated and lacked any human warmth. Back home, all of our furniture had tooth marks from when Jason had been teething. He used to pull himself up on the coffee table and end tables and gnaw on them. I miss the dresser in my room at home, with the crayon and marker stains and the stickers from when I was six. Even then, I had known not to try that here. Aunt Rita consulted the thin gold watch on her wrist. Have you had dinner? she asked, and we shook our heads. No dinner and no lunch, either. Why don't you get cleaned up and change out of those travel clothes, and I will order in. She disappeared, and we did as she said. You didn't wear outside clothes at Aunt Rita's. When we came out, freshly scrubbed and wearing pajamas, she was standing on her balcony in a long black gown and robe. She was not smoking. She didn't smoke anywhere near the apartment. She was just standing and gazing out at the city as the high summer sun started to set beyond the buildings. We stood in the living room, awkwardly, while we waited for her to tell us what to do. Jason started to fidget, and she turned and looked at him. For a moment, I saw an actual expression on her face but it was gone before I could put a name to it. The phone rang, and she told the concierge to bring it up, and then we were eating takeout Chinese food at her table, scooping noodles and rice and chicken onto our plates while she fussed at us to drink our water. Jason, you may clear the table, she said, after all the food was gone, and he jumped up and started carrying cartons and plates to the kitchen. Mary Bell, she said to me then, do you know what's going on with your parents? I shook my head. I knew about the fighting and the anger and the shouting, 
But I sensed that was just the stuff on the surface, the stuff I could see. Underneath all that, there must be adult mysteries that I hoped never to understand. Dark things, secrets, lies, things I didn't want to know about my parents. Then I won't tell you unless you ask. You may always ask me anything, my dear. And if I think I should, I will tell you. I believe in saying things that are true. For now, let us just say that your mother and father are having some troubles, and you and your brother will be here for a little while. For how long? I asked, and she regarded me coolly. Probably longer than any of us would like, but that is the only thing I can be sure of, she said. It was a very Aunt Rita answer. Will we go to school here? School was a month away. No. Hopefully, you will start school back home with your parents. But if you're still here, I'll get you a tutor. In the meantime, please remember that this is a very small space, not meant for children. I'd like you both to remember that I am not used to having others around, and I need my solitude. I'll remind Jason, I said, knowing that's what she wanted to hear, and she nodded. Don't forget to wash your faces before bed. You cannot go to bed smelling like food. I made sure Jason washed his face and brushed his teeth, and I did the same. My room had a bathroom attached to it, but Jason had to use the powder room in the hallway. I tucked him into bed when he was done, and read him a story about dragons saving princesses in towers, one of his favorites, and then I kissed his forehead and left him, dozing in his room. As I settled into bed, I heard the quiet beeping as Aunt Rita set the alarms, and then she was gone into the far wing of the apartment that housed her rooms. My phone lit up for the first time all night. It was a message from Aunt Rita. I've set the motion alarms, so make sure not to leave your rooms until morning. Love, your aunt. Okay. When we woke up the next morning, we found a note and a list of rules... It said, had to go to the office this morning. Breakfast is in the fridge. Remember. Number one, clean up all food items the instant you are done eating. Number two, do not leave the apartment. Number three, do not answer the door. Number four, do not answer the phone. Number five, Call me immediately if something happens. Number six, do not open any windows. Number seven, do not bring food into your rooms. Number eight, do not leave food anywhere. Number nine, 
Wash your faces and hands immediately after you eat. Number 10. Do not open the door. Number 11. Do not change the thermostat. Wear your sweaters if you get cold. And then at the end, it simply said, See you tonight. We found two breakfast plates in the refrigerator. One had pancakes and eggs and bacon, and the other had cold steeped oats and fruit. Jason and I took turns eating from each. While we ate breakfast, my phone lit up with another text from Aunt Rita. Left you a list of rules. Confirm you have read them, please. I texted her back and reassured her that we had, and she sent me back a thumbs-up emoji and a winky face. I do not think she knows what that means. After breakfast, we washed our dishes carefully, and then we washed our faces and hands and brushed our teeth. Someone knocked on the door, which was strange because the door was actually the elevator, and I had not heard it go down or come back up. But all the same, someone was knocking on the door with great booming knocks. Jason looked up at me, wide-eyed, and I shook my head. He relaxed. He didn't want to see anyone, and so we played a game where we tried to see how silent we could be while whoever it was knocked and knocked and knocked. They finally went away, so Jason and I watched videos and played games on our phones. He snuggled up against my side on the couch like he used to when he was very little, and for a while it was nice, no one telling us to get up and play. We are playing, I used to yell back at my mother. We wore our sweaters over our pajamas and had blankets on, and still we shivered. I got up once to check the thermostat. It was set to 65 degrees and Aunt Rita had placed a post-it on the control flap with a circle and a line through it to remind me not to touch it. Mary Bell, I'm cold, Jason called from the couch. I could see the gorgeous sunny day outside while we huddled, freezing, inside the apartment. But we had promised to follow the rules. No windows, no thermostat. Maybe tomorrow we could go outside. Take a hot shower, Jay. It will help warm you up. I showed him how to adjust the water. Aunt Rita's shower was very different from ours, and then I left him alone and closed the door behind me so the steam and the heat would stay in the bathroom. I was playing on my phone in my room when I heard the screaming. I ran into the bathroom and found Jason shivering in a towel, staring at the bathroom mirror. What's wrong? What's wrong? I asked him. He pointed at the mirror. His gray eyes were cloudy with tears. I looked at the mirror, fogged with steam from his shower, and I didn't see anything. I couldn't see anything really, except for smears in the condensation on the mirror, 
where it looked like someone had tried to wipe it with a towel. Jason couldn't reach that high. What did you see? I asked. He wrapped his arms around me and buried his head in my side. She was in there, he whispered, and raised one tiny arm to point at the mirror. She was in there. That was all I could get out of him. I thought about texting my aunt. She said to call her if anything happened. But what would I say? Jason thought he saw something in the mirror. That didn't seem like it fell under the classification of something actually happening. And Mom had said not to bother Aunt Rita. I didn't end up calling her. Instead, Jason and I snuggled up in the bed in my room, piling on all the extra blankets and watched TV until Aunt Rita came home. She took us out to dinner while the sun was still high in the sky and let us play in the park. And Jason and I forgot all about the lady in the mirror and the weird smears on the glass. The next day, the knocking on the door started as soon as we got up, as if they knew we were in here. We didn't answer. We ate our breakfasts in silence, watching the great elevator doors, wondering how long it would take for them to go away. They knocked for an hour this time. After they stopped, I could still hear the echo of it ringing in my ears. Jason was pale and frightened and would hardly eat. I made him take a shower after breakfast, but left the door open this time. It seemed to help. There were fewer smears on the mirror when he was done. I took a quick shower myself, but nothing appeared in my mirror, so I felt safer today than yesterday. When I stepped out of my room, towel drying my hair, I felt a warm breeze on my legs and froze for just a moment before running into Jason's room. He was hanging half out the open window and I screamed as I ran to grab his legs to pull him back into the room. He was completely, eerily silent as I struggled. I couldn't see outside. I was so focused on pulling him to safety, but it was as if he was caught on something or that something stronger than I stood outside the window, pulling him out. With a last great heave, I yanked him in. He fell on the ground, eyes glazed and focused elsewhere, and I closed and locked the window. Editor's note. Most readers would know that windows this high up in most buildings, do not open wide like this as a safety feature. I personally have checked the windows in this apartment building, and they only crack open just a bit to allow fresh air in. And yet, somehow, Jason's window was fully open.
Jason would not speak for hours. I found soup and fed him the warm broth. The upper half of his body was freezing, as if he had been out in a blizzard. I could not get him warm for the longest time. I could not put him in a bath. There were no tubs in this apartment. I was briefly tempted to turn on the heater, but we had already broken one rule. I didn't want Aunt Rita to throw us out. We had nowhere else to go. And so, for the second day, we had huddled under blankets and watched old movies and tried to get warm in the freezing, cold apartment. Jason eventually sat up. I couldn't help myself. I had to ask. Why did you open the window? Because she was out there, knocking, and she looked so scared, he said. Who? Mommy, he said, his voice small. But why can't we leave the apartment during the day? I asked that night at dinner, fresh seafood by the water. Aunt Rita slid a raw oyster out of its shell and down her throat in one great gulp. Her long throat reminded me of a heron. She was so thin, I imagined I saw the oyster sliding down her throat. She sat down the empty shell before answering me. The elevators do not run between 9 a.m. and 3.30 p.m., she said. It is a quirk of the building. That seems unsafe, I ventured, imagining fires and other emergencies. She shrugged and watched Jason eat his clam chowder, chewing carefully on the little chewy bits in the soup. It is safer than otherwise, she said cryptically. Well, what if we leave when you leave? What if we leave with you and we can go to the park and the library? I am afraid that is not possible, she said. Did I hear a pause in her voice? I tried again. Okay, if we can't leave with you, how about at 845? We can be ready by then. You are too young to be running around the city by yourselves. That would be almost as bad as... And then she cut herself off. Something occurred to me then. If the elevators don't run, how is someone knocking on the door during the day? Do not answer the door, she said sharply. The apartment was not meant for children. I wanted to scream with frustration. Something my mother said once came back to me. Don't press Aunt Rita too much, she had said. It will not end the way you want it to. I thought about that. Do you work every day? I asked instead. Two days later, she took the day off. We left the apartment promptly at 8.45 in the morning 
and she took us out to breakfast, and then to the museum, and then to the park, where we watched teams of men and women row on the lake, purposeful in their thin, light boats. Jason didn't say much. Ever since the window, he had been speaking even more seldom than normal, and even at the museum, his gaze was turned inward. I want to see her again, he announced, while I threw bread at the ducks. Who? one of us asked. Mommy? He dug around in the grass with his stubby fingers. The one in the window. Aunt Rita looked at us sharply. Don't go near the windows. We were getting used to the cold of the apartment, and the rules started to feel normal. Every morning, after the elevator stopped running, the banging on the door, if one of us was alone in the room, the scratching on the window, washing our faces and hands after every meal, every snack, storing food waste in sealed bags until Aunt Rita came home and took them out. Jason still had a problem with windows. I couldn't leave him alone for very long. He'd drift towards them, fingers twitching, and a few times I had to wrestle with him to keep him from opening the window in his room. She's out there, Mary Bell. Mommy's outside, he would cry, and it would wrench at my heart. She's not there. She's not there, I whispered, rocking him in my arms. I tried to call her. During the day, the calls wouldn't go through at all. And at night, it went straight to voicemail. We hadn't talked to her or dad since we left the house. The end of summer came and went, and the days grew too short. Aunt Rita took us out less and less, blaming the early nights. She didn't take any more days off from work. We never saw her leave. The darkness came so early now. The tutor Aunt Rita promised us never came. She seemed to have forgotten all about it. In late September, she came home wearing a gorgeous black dress with black embroidery. She seemed unusually happy, but when she saw us laying on the couches, she frowned. Children, children, the seasons are changing. This is no time for moping around. I'll be going out tonight, so please make sure to keep the apartment locked up tight. Her eyes were shining feverishly. I'd never seen her like this. Jason raised his head and looked at her. Can we come with you? She rocked back and looked at him, really looked at him. No, my darling, you cannot, but I thank you for the offer. He nodded and went back to his book. Something had passed between them, something I didn't understand. Before she left, she lingered by the door. I can set the motion alarms if you'd like. Jason spoke for both of us. We hated being trapped in our rooms. 
No, thank you. We'll be fine. Aunt Rita kissed us both on the forehead before she left, black heels with red soles in her hands, and nothing else. No purse. No phone. We're on our own now, Jason told me. I didn't realize what he meant. The banging started at exactly 9.21 p.m. A great hollow booming on the doors, just like we heard every morning, except this was worse for being at such a strange time. It went on and on and on. In between knocks, we could hear the scratching on the windows and the sounds of great beating wings outside. Then they started scratching on the door and beating on the window, and it kept getting louder and louder. The apartment grew more and more cold until Jason finally slammed down his book. I'm going to take a shower, he announced, and went into his bathroom and closed the door. As soon as he did, all the noise died down, and the apartment felt empty, waiting, like a lung about to draw breath. I didn't know what to do, so I waited with it. Aunt Rita hadn't taken her phone. She hadn't said when she'd be coming back. She hadn't said anything about what to do if they came in the night. I heard a great crash from Jason's bathroom. I ran to it, sliding on my slippers on the cold marble floor, and found the bathroom door closed and locked. I banged on it, yelling for Jason to let me in, but he never said anything. I never heard a sound from him, just a strange thrashing noise and a faint howling as if of wind. I cried out his name and slammed my shoulder into the door, but all the doors here were heavy, solid, made to keep things out. The door clicked, and then it was unlocked, and I almost fell into the bathroom, but I held onto the door, and that is all that saved me from falling onto the broken glass covering the bathroom floor. The mirror had shattered, and there was glass everywhere. Horrified, I looked for Jason. I looked for blood, but there was nothing, just a faint shimmer where the mirror had been, a shadow, a writhing that looked like tentacles, and then nothing. I felt empty and confused. Where was Jason? The steam settled in the bathroom and showed me nothing. It told me nothing. I called for Jason. I ran through the apartment. I searched every room. Every room except for Aunt Rita's, of course. I couldn't even make myself touch the door of that room. And Jason was truly 
horribly gone. My little brother. Every room was silent now. I sat for a while and thought. I loved my brother. He was my responsibility. I could not imagine life without him. I carefully washed my face and hands. I packed a small bag with antibacterial soap and prepackaged food, protein bars I found in the pantry, and bottled water. I put on the winter parka Aunt Rita had bought for me. I put Jason's in the bag with the food and the water. And then, very properly, I stepped up to the elevator doors and knocked three times firmly. And when the doors opened, I walked through into the darkness and howling winds of the desolation that lay on the other side.